nobody has the formula for your life but you. And I and listen, I know that people have different sort of particular responsibilities. You know, people have families or people they're caring for and, and things like that that they have to consider. But at the end of the day, who, who are you living your life for? You're, you're, you know, I'm living my life for me because I only get one shot. So, you know, taking chances seems to be, you know, part of the deal. Hi, I'm Catherine Roberts, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, and welcome to 2024's first new episode of World Gone Good. My name is Steve, and I'm so happy you decided to join me for more good times here on the WGG. That's what the cool kids call us. This is the place where we shine the light or find the light in the darkness to prove week after week there is still good out there and lots of it. You know what's good? Sharing our show with your friends. Yeah, do it. I dare you. Also good is when you rate and review us wherever you're listening right now. And also, also good is when you follow us. That way you'll get notified when a new episode comes out and you won't miss any new good we've got for you. All these options help us spread the good. And for that, as always, we say thank you. Well, it's a brand new year, a new beginning. We talked about resolutions on our last episode. Have you made any for 2024? I think you heard me say last week, I don't do resolutions. I prefer what we learned from our good guest, Christy Hines, a while back. Instead of resolutions, let's try revolutions. My revolution for 2023 was follow the fun. And I think I kind of killed it in a good way. So what is my 2024 revolution? You ready? Here it comes. Eliminate expectations. That is the theme of 2024 for me. I came up with it myself. Want to join me? You're welcome to. Come on board. We'll just eliminate expectations. You can even steal it and tell your friends you came up with it and not even mention my name. I'm eliminating expectations, so what do I care? I won't even know. I don't care. I'm eliminating expectations. So in keeping with my 2024 revolution to eliminate expectations, for our first new episode of the year, I present to you the perfect good guest who's kind of already making that happen. Catherine Roberts is not shy to make change and take leaps in her own life. She is the very definition of a self-starter, and she's got her own special recipe. You'll see why I chose that word in just a minute, for good. Here comes my pal, Catherine Roberts, kicking off the new year in a good way. Hello, and welcome to 2024, my friends. So glad you come make it on the pod and so much to discuss. Well, one of the reasons I have you on here is because it lands in the food world. You have a, a really cool thing, which is you have your grandmother's recipe book. Yeah. W- tell us the story. When do you did you remember as your child having the recipe book? Did you find the recipe book? Oh no, no, no. So when I was a, when I was about, I think I was like seven or eight. Um, my grandmother, uh, Tony Capasso, we called her T. 
she wrote a cookbook and it, not just like, this isn't like a recipe book. Like she actually like had a publishing company that published her cookbook. Um, and it was, and it's called, you take a little oil and fry onions recipes from a Sicilian kitchen. So it's a Sicilian cookbook, which, you know, at that time she, she's Sicilian. She was Sicilian. At that time, you know, in like 1984 or whatever, 1985, the Sicilian food was not like on vogue. You know, people were not like traveling to Sicily, vacationing in Sicily like they are now. So it was very unique to the marketplace. And, you know, she did a ton of research. She actually went to Sicily, I think more than once, I think twice, two or three times, uh, to to reconnect with relatives and research the book and the cuisine of the country, um, of the area rather. And, um, yeah, so I, I vividly remember it. It was a ton of work. I mean, I remember like going to their house, going to my grandparents' house and like the pages being like laid out, like on the dining room table, she would like go through, you know, she was like editing it. So it got published and then it was distributed in and around St. Louis where I'm originally from and it was sold in, you know, specialty food stores, specialty wine shops, um, you know, kind of smaller sort of mom and pop stores, uh, bookstores and, gro- and grocers. And it, it was so popular, it sold out three different printings. They had to reprint it three times. And she actually, I remember this too, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the newspaper did a story about her. And they like came to her house and took her picture with the cookbook and so we had this article like, you know, framed of her about her cookbook. And uh, yeah, so I have my own copy. It's in, it has a, it's has an inscription. She signed it and it says, I hope you learn to love to cook. It comes in handy when you're hungry. <laughs> and that to this day, every time I read it, it tickles me that like what? Cause she was like, that was her. She was very pragmatic and and kind and that just like it just encapsulate her personality like perfectly about how old was she when she wrote and started writing this probably 60 ish uh, yeah 60 ish and your grandfather was was supportive of this i'm sure i i don't he he uh you know he never cooked a day in his life so he was fine you know she was testing recipes or whatever my mother and aunts were sort of much more involved. Like, like, yeah, my grandpa was supportive, but like really like the, the, the Capasso girls kind of drove the engine specifically one of my aunts, my aunt Carol, the oldest daughter. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a, a family affair for sure. And that family affair has continued because you decided to take it, one step further, which is? Yeah. So something I've been noodling for many years is kind of this idea of republishing it. Cause she, she stopped publishing it because it was just like, she's like, wow, this is a ton of work. Like, forget it. I'm done. And, uh, so, so yeah, several years ago, I, I had this notion that I, that I would like to republish it, but change it a little bit. So, you know, right now it's very long. There's a lot of recipes in there. It's very, um, like early eighties and sort of, you know, 
not necessarily the style of the way people cook anymore. So my idea is to republish it, but condense it, shorten it to, you know, really just the like essential recipes that are used over and over again in my family. Um, the risotto, the, the pasta, you know, the tomato sauce, the fig cookies, etc., And then, in, you know, sort of interweave it with some more personal narrative and imagery. Um, because it was literally just like words, no, no pictures. Um, so, you know, have some like really beautiful photography in there and do like the, the cliche thing where every, every blogger writes a 17 minute story before they get the recipe. So kind of do that. But like, you know, do it better, do it better. So people actually enjoy it. Um, and so, yeah, that's my concept. And it's a great concept, and you actually have been sort of doing it in your local newspaper. I started doing it, actually, long before that. So about 10 years ago, I made a website, which is which I no longer do anything with. Um, that was kind of the beginnings of it, sort of like a blog. And then when I moved to where I live now, which is Aspen, Colorado... Um, it's a very small town, you know, so I got very entrenched with the local media scene here doing, you know, my day job, which is PR and marketing consultant. And um, about two years ago, I was invited by the Aspen Times, which is the daily news, one of two daily newspapers here, um, to write their food column. So I started doing that. And it, originally, I was doing it once a month because I just simply didn't have the bandwidth to do it any more than that. And then about a year ish ago, they asked if I would consider increasing the frequency. So yeah, I have an Aspen times column called food stuff that comes out every other week. And yeah, it's, it is sort of a, um, practicing ground, you know, I'm testing the waters in, in kind of getting in that regular rhythm of writing about food and, and attaching it to a story. So yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting. You're kind of a lowest lane of food. Yeah. Yes. Very extra, extra. <laughs> Clark. Extra um jelly. <laughs> but here's my question. When you're when you're taking tea's recipes. Yeah. So yeah, I just assume like she and I are close. I can call her that. Yeah, that was a good callback. Good listener. You are. You, <laughs> I've done this before. If you're you're taking tea's recipes. Are you staying in the Wessonality of it all? Are you staying? You love it. You like how I did that? Are you staying in the the uh, zone she was in, or are you updating it in any way, shape, or form to current, um, you know, life? Current how we do things. Pop it in the old microwave if you know what I'm saying. I do update some of the recipes simply because. Um, you know, I play around with them. I, I have, I have made my grandmother's recipe for risotto probably a thousand times and I've tweaked it a little because there's just, I have some preferences that uh, just that I have. So, you know, like I don't use as much butter. I don't use as much cheese but it still comes out really great. And so, so yes, to answer your question, I, I do do a little bit of updating of the recipes, but typically that happens 
with the recipes that I myself have made over and over and over again. So, you know, I have in essence tested them uh, to, to get them where I want them to be. You're a unique person to me because there are so many people in the world that, and we see this all the time in TV and movies, it's always this, you know, very successful, you know, going after her career kind of woman. I can't cook. Oh, I can never, you know, you know those characters I'm talking about. We see them all the time. Please. Yeah. But you, you embrace both sides of that personality that you have. Certainly. Certainly. But I mean, it's because I love to do it. I find those sort of tropes of like, people are too busy. They don't know how to cook. And I'm fascinated by that because, listen, you don't have to be a good cook and you don't even have to like it. Any idiot can follow a recipe, right? Yeah. And it's the choice of, do you want to take the time to do it or the convenience level of, you, you know, Uber Eats, right? And hey, listen, again, I'm not knocking it. People, if you don't like to cook, get your Uber Eats. No, no skin off my back. Um, but, I do, but I do find very, you know, it's interesting to me, very intelligent people who say they, they, they're terrible cooks. They don't know how to cook. I once knew a woman. She wants burned water. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know someone who did this too. And there's, you can do it. You can do it if you let it evaporate long enough. Yep. <laughs> Leaving it boiling for too long. She burned water and almost burned her house down. Oh. And I was just like, that is extraordinary. <laughs> Here's the other thing. What am I doing? I don't have kids. I'm not, I'm sitting I love that as you said that your dog Brit in the background let out a growl. The word kids triggered Brit. Yeah, she's annoyed because I'm not paying attention to her. For no, five she's minutes. annoyed at the word kids. Keep going. <laughs> Ridiculous, this dog. Oh, my God, that damn dog. That, that's a whole other story. Well, I have a couple more questions. Is, is T still around? Uh, she passed away 10 years ago. And uh, she was one of my favorite people of my entire life. Uh, she was one of... The people I most looked up to, she's very, very important to me. We were extremely close. Her, our birthdays um, are were a week apart. She was born on March 12th. I was on March 19th. So we would often celebrate our birthdays together. And um, she, this is one of my favorite things. She was very close with her grandmother. Uh, Mary Castellano, and um, she used to wear uh, her grandmother's wedding band, which was a vi- just a very simple, uh, thin, like rose gold band. And she gave that ring to me because her grandmother. And I share a birthday. So Mary Castellano was born on March 19th, as was I. And so I ended up getting her wedding band from T. Now, would T be, did T ever see the blog that you started? I'm trying to remember. I mean, it's possible. I started it. Yes, I started it before she died. 
But at that point, she had rather advanced Alzheimer's. So I don't think she totally like got it. But this was a, this is actually a funny story. I was so I was researching one of her more complicated recipes, which is sort of like um, I'm sure you've seen it. It's a dessert, and it's and it's essentially it's like fried um, balls of dough that you stack in like a pyramid shape, and they're they adhere together with honey. Yeah, and then you sort of drizzle honey all over the whole thing. I was like, T, you know, like, how did you, how did you find time to make this? And she's like, what else do I have to do? (laughs) Like, again, very practical. I was like, well, I don't know, raise five children and take care of your husband. That seems pretty time consuming. But yeah, she was just like, yeah, whatever. We just made these incredibly complicated meals. Would she be pro on the idea of you taking her book, elevating her book or whatever, reimagining her book? What do you think? Oh, for sure. For sure. Incredibly supportive. Never, literally, I mean, I did not inherit the straight from her. Never said a bad thing about anybody. Uh, Did not, never criticize people. Was just unbelievably kind. And no, she would be totally, she'd be all about it. Now, the bigger picture here is something that you and I share, and we were just talking about this on the phone the other day, and we're not patting ourselves on the back here. We're talking about this, hopefully, for some inspiration. You see a mountain, and you're like, fuck it. It's a mountain. Let's get over it. Or I'm going to find a way around the mountain. That's your personality. Uh, yeah. I mean, literally. As you know, uh, when I moved to Aspen almost six years ago, I did, I did not know how to ski. You know, a lot of life... You can use skiing as an analogy because, man, you just fall down and you have to pick yourself back up all the time. And you have to go, all right, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to get up this mountain and I'm going to get down it. And, you know, you put one foot in front of the other. I mean, that's just always how I've lived my life. I, I, I like challenges. I find them interesting. I find problem solving very interesting. I think I would be very bored. Uh, if I were not challenging myself, but really, you know, for me, it's like life is, like I said, you put one foot in front of the other, you just keep going. Um, there's a funny, there was like a funny, like reel or something that was like going around on Instagram. That was just this guy on a hike. And it's just a series of very fast cuts of him on a hike, just going like, fuck, fuck. Oh God, there's more. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh Jesus. Oh God. Oh fuck. Oh, and he's miserable. And then the very end he goes, I love hiking. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, I felt very seen uh, by that little piece of video content. There was this comedian a while ago, a couple years ago, and she used to put up these videos where she'd walk through LA and she would just put the word fuck in front of everything. And she'd be like, fuck stop sign. Fuck car. Fucking oh fucking look at that guy fuck fuck and she say all the and then she ended the same way like I fucking love LA, but she's just yeah. spent the whole time bitching and it's just her tromping through life. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it is. You know, it's like I, I am energized by challenges. You know, not to say that I'm not. I don't find things daunting. Certainly, I do. And you know, it's it's that old quote that's you know, it's like being brave isn't the absence of fear. It's being afraid and doing it anyway, right? 
Um, and I, and I feel that mindset incredibly deeply. Like, don't ever think that there aren't things that scare me. A lot of things scare me, but I go, I go for it anyway. And one of the things you went for recently, a little while ago, you left a job, which we share in common, to go at something that you want to do, your own business. Yes, I did. So about a year and a half ago, I left my full-time job as the director of marketing communications at a really extraordinary um, nonprofit art center. And yeah, decided I wanted to start my own marketing communications firm. And I have done so and it's been great. And it has been really, really hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done professionally, but extremely rewarding. And um, Carrington Creative, look it up. And, we'll post the uh, link. We'll post the link. Post the link. Post the link. And um, yeah, it was great. It was great. And it has. It was funny because every single person in my immediate family—my father, my mother, and my brother—all own their own business. And so, you know, when I decided to quit my job, you know, I was scared. I was scary. Of course, I'd never worked for myself before. I had no idea all that it entailed. And um, I was like kind of nervous to like tell my family. And they were like, yeah, why didn't, yeah, you should have done this like years ago. You know? Um, So it's funny because I never really know. I mean, I knew this because I lived it, but I never really sort of put the pieces together that I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. So my family was all about it, super supportive, thought it was a great idea. And uh, it's been really good because Aspen is a very small town. So I was able to make quite a few great connections pretty quickly and parlay that into, you know, future business. So I primarily work with, I I work with clients that I think are fun. So my primary area of, of focus is arts and culture and food as well. So I have a number of arts and culture nonprofits on my client roster, um, as well as a really fun restaurant group that's opening a few restaurants in Aspen here in the next year. So, um, yeah, I get to work on all the things that I like to work on. And um, I get to work with people who want to work with me, who are excited to partner. And it's really nice to feel valued. You know, it's invigorating to sit in a room with people who are excited to hear what I have to say. And it's fun to collaborate with people who say yes. Yeah, and I think that the key words you use here, and I've talked about this on the show before, first of all, the word fun, because that's a key word. It doesn't, there's parts of it that are the job, right? But when you're enjoying yourself, it's such a different process. And the other thing is, I love what you just said, and I used to use this word too partner with, not work for, work with. You took the word work, you haven't said the word work, which I fucking love because that, that was me when I opened my company a long time ago, which is no longer existence. But we had a good five-year run. I had a good time, people. And um, it was a buck and bronco. But that was the key thing is I'm going to take this group on. This looks interesting to me. This is like a challenge to me. These are like people who will listen when I'm speaking. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think that's so fucking key. Do you, 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 I mean, sure, you had to have some fear leaving. That's a big thing. Anyone listening here, we talked about this before on the show. I can't leave. I have a mortgage, but I have a mortgage, but I have a car payment, but I have a this, but I, but you have all those things. So do I. Totally. And, and I'll tell you, I, so when I was thinking about, I, here's the other thing about me and sort of my processes in creative pursuits or professional pursuits or whatever. People don't realize this about me because I am very extroverted and outgoing and verbal and talk a lot and engage um, with people in a lot of ways. But when I have something that I'm like serious about, I think about it for a very long time quietly. I don't I don't talk about it. Same. Oh my god, same. So I ruminate on things for such a long time. Oh my god, same. <laughs> before I actually articulate them when it's when the stakes are high. So so this is something that I had been thinking about even before I moved to Aspen and I came to Aspen for the job that I had, that I was hired for um, at the art center. But, but I had been, when I was living in Denver, I had been thinking like, maybe that would be kind of interesting to pursue, you know, and I never spoke about it ever. And I did not tell anyone that I was going to leave my job. Like I had, I, I will never forget. I decided and then there was like just a sort of a series of events that were the catalyst for it. And I got my LLC worked out on January 28th, 2022. But I did not actually give notice at my job until May 15th of that year. So I had been just silently working. You know, it was like having a second job. Every night and weekend, I would go home. And I would work on my website and I would work on my brand and I would work on my logo and I would work, you know, and nobody knew nobody. Right. I was definitely scared because again, I had never worked for myself before. I had no idea what that looked like, but I, I remember very specifically. So I, so I, you know, you know, in whatever April or something, it's the spring, I started to tell very few people because I was like trying to see if I could line up one or two clients on my roster. I remember articulating my, my biggest fear was that I wouldn't be able to buy dog food for the dog. <laughs> like that was it. That was, I was obsessed with that. I was fixated on this idea that I would not be able to afford Brit's dog food. It was like, I didn't, more, how, you know, rent, who cares? Car payment, who cares? But the dog food, I was fully panicked. And I don't know if that was like a function of, you know, because she's this thing that I care for, like she's reliant on me. Right. Like I can take care of myself, who cares? But if I can't feed the dog, you know, God forbid she misses a meal. And, um, yeah, I said, I said to my friend, I was like, what, you know, what if I can't buy Brit dog food? And she just looked at me and she goes, I'll buy your dog food. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was just like, and in that moment I was like, that's ridiculous. And Hey, listen, uh, never say never. Right. 
I, it would take a lot for me to, to work for somebody else again. I, I find that I'm thriving and I really enjoy it. But, I, but like I always say about this um, pursuit, I will do it for as long as it is interesting and profitable. So when it ceases to be um, those things, I won't do it anymore. It's that's like being agile, being open to opportunities, right? It's it's also about being smart and honest with yourself. And Brit is agreeing in the background and saying, "Hell yeah, I still get fed." That's the most important thing. I know. I'm running away from her with my laptop. <laughs> I'm trying to be on the show so badly. What would you say to someone out there thinking right now, I want to take the leap, but dot, 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 what advice would you give them? My advice would be think really hard about whether or not you're the kind of person that, that values comfort and security over, um, you know, working your ass off. Um, and then I would and uh, and sorry to jump in, yeah. but you could you could become that person. Yeah. That could be the person you want to be become to become, yeah. and that it might just take the leap to force you to do it. Keep going. Totally. And then I would also say, sort of like what I was saying before, you asked this specific question. Nothing is permanent. Who who cares? Take a job, quit your job, switch jobs, do something different, move cities. Do you know there's there's no formula. I have, as you know, you know, I have a very uh sort of varied work history, right? I was in television for many years, then I was in advertising agencies, and I've moved a lot, you know. I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, but you know, prior to living here in Aspen, I lived in Denver, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, Pittsburgh, and Madison, Wisconsin. I moved to all of those places for jobs, did not know a soul, except in Denver, where my family had migrated, but, and just took a risk, right? Because, and I think that those experiences in, in my, you know, sort of the beginning of my career in my twenties and thirties allowed me to become uh, less risk averse be- because it, it was all fluid, right? It was all changing. So, so my second piece of advice would, would be to just like be open and just give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out or you don't like it or you want to do something else or you want to pivot, do that. No, nobody has the formula for your life but you. And I, and listen, I know that people have different sort of particular responsibilities. You know, people have families or people they're caring for and and things like that, that they have to consider. But at the end of the day, who who are you living your life for? You're, you're, you know, I'm living my life for me because I only get one shot. So, so, you know, taking chances it seems to be, you know, part of the deal. And I got to say on that note, I have quit so many jobs. I have never been fired. Hey. I have quit so many fucking jobs. There's not one job I can say, oh, God, I wish I had never quit that job. No, that's yes, that's who I was then. It worked then. 
And then something else happened and now I am this person now. But I never say, I've never said, oh my God, if only I hadn't quit the WB in 2001. Oh my God, think of where my life would be. Well, the WB doesn't even exist anymore. (laughs) So 100%, 100%, same boat. I have every single job that I have left, I quit. Never once have I gone, wow, that was a bit. That was a bad move. Now, listen, not everything has worked out the way I thought it was going to, but what does? Right? Life doesn't ever work out the way you think it's going to. Um, And yeah, it's just like I said, for, for me, it's just about if somebody's thinking about doing this, be flexible. That I think that, you know, I, I would hope that that takes some of the fear out of it because you can always try something else. It's not like, oh, I, I quit I quit my job. I started my own business and I can never do anything else ever again. Well, no, of course not. That's You do whatever you want. But just be prepared to work hard because it's hard. <laughs> I know. A lot of plates spinning all the time. But hey, man, I get to take uh, an hour in the middle of my workday to be on a podcast. Here we are. Here we are. Fuck it, former bosses. I'm the CEO now. (laughs) We close these shows with three questions. Don't worry, you know the answers. Question number one, where do people find you and your company and follow you on social medias? Plug away. Oh, fantastic. Um, So my company is Carrington Creative, uh, which is a family name. And it is C-A-R-I-N-G-T-O-N creative.com carringtoncreative.com make sure it's only one r and uh yeah on there you can find everything about my business and how to get a hold of me and how to follow me on social and yeah that's that's how you find me the last two questions go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say question number one is who inspires you oh my gosh that's a hard one I don't, I don't necessarily think it's an individual so much as it's, I, you know, sort of like what we've talked about. I love people who are relentless, people who are tenacious and don't give up and just are like doggedly in pursuit of whatever it is that is of interest or value to them. Oh, but I do have one person who I'm sort of obsessed with. Uh, she too is an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur, Sarah Blakely. She, the, she founded Spanx. And she is a fascinating study. She's the world's first female self-made billionaire. And she, you know, basically her story is she followed zero conventions um, that are sort of typical in like a product launch and in starting your own business. And she is very um, sort of female-centric in her approach. She doesn't try to play the game like a man. So Sarah Blakely, I find her to be very inspirational. And she's a shark on on Shark Tank. Yes, and she's a shark. The final question, again, is not even a question. It's a statement to finish any way you like. Tell me something good. It is almost 60 degrees and sunny after... uh, 30 inches of snow fell less than a week ago. So it's sunny and warm 
and beautiful. And I'm looking at the mountains right now. And I'm extremely, extremely fortunate. Thank you, Catherine, for sharing your good. Next time on World Got Good. This car? Yeah. I bought when my first son was born. Oh, my God. And he's going to be 50 next month. (laughs) So I've had this car 50 years. Wow. And what kind of car it is? Tell everybody. Uh, It's a 41 Buick. And I always wanted a Porsche because my music teacher drove a beautiful... Like that guy. Like that guy. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. We're leaving the studio and hitting the road to meet up with a good group of friends to ask them a question. What's good about cars? They should know they meet up every Sunday in the same parking lot to show off and admire their automobiles and in the same process and time, create some much-needed community. Rev up for our next all-new episode. Until then, be good.